Mm, what a great story from Rebecca. A great story about God's presence, God's faithfulness, walking with Jesus every day. That's our that's sort of our, our hashtag here at Grace is we want to walk with Jesus every day. And uh, sometimes that walk, it seems that he is very close to us. And other times it seems that he is very far from us. And other times we don't even know where, where he is, that maybe he like left us along the way. He had other, other people to attend to. And uh, today I, I want to speak to you here today or online who may just be just frustrated. Just like spiritually frustrated. Like ready just to throw in the towel, ready just to give it up. Or, 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 or the other extreme is just numb. Like, I, I sort of love how people are saying, oh, it's 2020, just expect the crazy to happen. Of course it's going to happen, right? Uh, of course, like an asteroid is supposed to hit us on election day. Of course it's supposed to ha- happen, right? It's 2020. Well, let's just, you know, if it's going to happen, let's sort of happen this year. Like, like, like we have this spirit going on in our city and our world. Like, hey, it's 2020. That let's just expect the worst can happen. What else can happen? A lot worse can happen. But a lot, of, a lot of good things are happening. But I'm sensing that some of us, that we've been going at this over and over again, and somewhat, we're getting, some of us are just frustrated, ready just to throw in the towel, ready just to, to give it up or saying, Lord, where are you? I, I remember one of these moments in my life when I was just ready just to quit. There have been several moments in my life, but as a, as a young pastor, I was, I was a youth pastor in Seattle, and I was driving to the, to the office one day, and I said, I'm going to resign today. Because I, I, I'm not making a difference in kids' lives. I'm actually the problem. And Lord, I, I don't know what you were doing, but I didn't sign up for this. And I was so just frustrated. And, and I remember as, as I was driving to the office, all of a sudden I remember this, this verse from, from the book of Revelation, the chapter 3, verse 20. And in Revelation 3, we, it speaks about a church, a church in Laodicea. And there's seven churches there in the book of Revelation. And, and Jesus is sort of giving his assessment of each church. Each church has, has sort of, this is how we are, and this, is, and this is what it's all about us. And then Jesus gives his own assessment of the church. And we see in Revelation 3, Jesus says, I know your deeds. You church and Laodicea, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, and I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful (laughs) and poor and blind and naked. And in verse 20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with them and they with me. I remember just sitting with Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone, if anyone hears, hears my voice and, and then opens the door, I will come in. And I realized that, that I had been leading the ministry without Jesus. Which is the worst thing ever to do. That's what happened to, to Saul when, when, when David became king. See, the anointing went from Saul to David. But, but Saul was still king and still tried to fight all these battles. But the anointing was not with him. It was with David. And some of us, we try to do all these things. We try to do life in a way that Jesus is not even present. Once the church in Laodicea is like, we don't need anything. We have it. We're wealthy, and we don't need even Jesus. What's interesting about this verse that I've come to realize is, is Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And where is Jesus? He's not even in the church. He's outside. He's outside. Now, he didn't go too far. He's outside. He says, I'm at the door. I'm just knocking. Will you let me back in? And that day, as a young pastor, I knelt down and I lifted my hands up and I said, please come in. This is yours. This is yours. I realized an axiom there that personal renewal leads to corporate change. That personal renewal leads the corporate change. That life begins with Jesus. When we hear his voice and we invite him in. Pandemics, riots, politics, economics, virtual, in-person, flattening the curve, social injustice, wildfires, hurricane, mass, social distancing. We can go on and on and on. We are bombarded. We are overwhelmed every day, every news cycle, to the point that most folks I talk to are just... I just want to get away. I can't take any more. And maybe today, I want to speak to you if you're looking for a sense of revival. I want to speak to you today if you're looking for a sense of renewal. If you're like me and you are frustrated and numb and angry and lost and trying to do life without Jesus or trying to do the Jesus life without Jesus, I want to speak to you today. Because I can't mandate it, I can't moralize it, I can't legalize it, but revival begins when Jesus lives in us. Lives in us. 
Personal renewal leads to corporate change. You want a different country? It starts here with you and with me. We want a different city? It begins with you and me. We want a different marriage? It begins with you and me. You want a different family? It begins with you and me. We want a different church? It begins with you and me living with Jesus and Jesus living inside us. That's what Paul was speaking to the church in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1. In some way, he is echoing what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea. And what he's, he's doing is he is, is trying to read Jesus, the church in Colossae. And all of Colossians 1 is about who Jesus really is. And last week, last week we looked at that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And as Philip Yancey says, I don't know a lot about God, but I hope he's like Jesus. Why? Because I really like Jesus. And God has chosen to make himself known in Jesus. Everything we need to know about God, everything that God wants us to know about him, he's he's made it known visibly in Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And and Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he's re-Jesusing the church. He's saying, I want you to take your eyes off of this world. I want you to fix your eyes upon Jesus. Let me tell you who Jesus is. And I'll go through a list a little bit later. But we get to this point at the end of chapter 1, and in verse 27, I really want to focus on today. What Paul is speaking about his ministry in Colossae, and this is what he says in verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed in the Lord's, disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Underline that. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend With all the energy, Christ so powerfully works in me. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to focus on that phrase that Paul has here in verse 27. He says that the mystery, the mystery has been made known to you. The mystery has been revealed to you. And here is the mystery. And I was ready like, what is the mystery? Tell me all about the mystery. And he says, here is the mystery. I'm like, what is it? Christ in you. The hope of glory. I mean, we look at the word mystery 
And how it's used here in the Greek context, the word mystery is something that we do not know, something that God has, that's something that we're not able to attain or surmise from our own human will. Nothing that on this earth that we can figure out is something beyond us, but something that, that God has chosen to make known. That God in his time, he says here, by his will has chosen to make this mystery known. And so it's no longer a secret. It's no longer hidden from us. But it's a truth that has, has come to earth. A truth that we can see. A truth that we can know. And here's the truth. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And who is the you? Well, it's you and me. It's the Gentiles. It's the non-Jewish folks. It's that those who, who were not children of Abraham are now in Christ, are now brothers and sisters with Abraham. And that God in his glorious wisdom, his glorious beauty, decided to reveal himself to folks who were so far off, who were beyond the covenant, but now are included into the covenant of Abraham. That Jesus, because Jesus is the new covenant. See, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And we see this, we see this throughout Scripture, that God did, said, if I'm going to dwell here on earth, that you have to build this, this beautiful temple and this beautiful structure. And God gave very detailed Instructions on how that structure, that temple should be built. And God said, I will only rebuild myself in the holiest of holies. And you would see his glory, and his glory is, the word there is for his presence. And when the temple was destroyed, everyone said, well, where, where is God? There is no more hope. Where is God going to dwell here? And God came to us in Jesus, the word of God that became flesh. And God came to us. But Paul says here, that's not the mystery. The mystery is not that God came to us. The mystery is that God came to us in Christ and that Christ dwells in you. And that when you make a profession, when you realize that your best thinking, your best understanding has got you this part and point in your life and you're angry and you're frustrated or you're numb and looking for a revival. That Jesus comes and lives in your life. See, personal renewal leads to corporate change. Paul says in Romans, the law that was given through Moses cannot get you there because it's something outside. It's, we try to mandate or legalize change. No, revival begins when we kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we invite him to come into our life. Christ in you, the hope of glory here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and invites me and opens the door to come in, then I will come in. That re revival begins when Christ comes to live in us. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we, we have this phrase, we said, 
It says, on earth as it is in heaven. This is Kristen said, right? That the song of heaven we see in Revelation is holy, holy, holy. And when we sing that song here on earth, we are singing the very hymn of heaven. And we pray the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. What Paul is saying here is that when we say that prayer, we're saying, Christ, you who left heaven to come to earth, now come and reside in me. Christ in me. That here on earth, we can have a heavenly experience. That here on earth, that we can experience the God who's powerful and mighty. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what Paul is saying here is that God is manifesting his life in Christ and in Christ in you when we welcome Christ into our life, that Christ is manifested in our life everywhere and every day, Jesus every day. And that life change doesn't flow from out to end, but revival begins in and flows out. Christ in me, Christ in you, Christ in us, flowing out of our life. That revival begins with us. I know when we're caught up in this COVID-19, we're looking at all these different symptoms. And we can treat the symptoms. Doctors treat the symptoms. But sometimes you get to a point of saying, what is the source of the symptoms? I think I hear what Paul is saying is, as I'm looking at the church in Colossae, I see all these things happening in your church, and these are symptoms, but, but the issue is the source, the source for your life is Christ living in you. As Jesus looked at the church in Laodicea, he says, yeah, you said that I am rich, and I am wealthy, I don't need a thing. He says, no, you are poor, I love this, you're pitiful. But revival begins when the source is Jesus. It's as if Jesus becomes our new DNA. We have a new source code. When Christ comes in us, our lives are changed. You know, you look at Colossians 1, and Paul was re-Jesusing the church in Colossae. And we begin in verse 14 Paul has these beautiful descriptions about Jesus, the Christ who lives in us. In verse 14, Christ the Redeemer lives in us. Verse 15, Christ, the image of the invisible God, lives in us. Verse 16, Christ, the creator of the universe, dwells and lives in us. Verse 17, Christ, the one who holds all of this together, lives in us. Verse 18, Christ, the risen and glorified head of the church, lives in us. Verse 18, Christ, who is preeminent above all, lives in you. Verse 19, Christ, in whom all 
The fullness dwells, lives in you. Verse 20, Christ who reconciled heaven with earth lives in you. What's the bottom line? Is that the world gets a view of the Christ who lives in you every day. That the world gets a view of Christ who lives in you every day. That the world gets a view of Christ who lives in you, lives in you every day. And the picture do they get? Do they get the picture of the Redeemer, the one who's reconciled heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together? Or what picture of Christ do they get when they see you every day? With the help of Cindy McMimmon, I think I got that right, yeah. She's helped me with trying to break this down. Now, what does it mean to have the view of Christ, the world to have a view of Christ in us every day? A couple things. One, to love the unlovely. To love those that no one would ever love. It's easy to love those who will love us back, but Jesus says, love those who will never return with love. What a beautiful picture of you of Christ in your life for the world to see every day. This notion to, to, be, to freely forgive, to freely forgive, to let go of bitterness and past hurts and regrets and resentment. Paul writes in Colossians 3, forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. That to live our days freely forgiving. What a beautiful view the world would have of the Christ who lives in you every day. Three, to keep our cool. That's hard for some of us. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. James writes, what? My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. What view is the world having of the Christ in you when it comes to those moments of anger and frustration? I keep her cool. Four, watch our words. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. They may benefit those who listen. Do we use our words to heal or to hurt? What is the view that the world has of the Christ who lives in you when it comes to your words that you use every day? Are there words to build others up, to bring others down, to bring healing or hurt? Five, display joy. Display joy. 
John 10, 10, right? The thief comes only to steal, to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullness. What is the view that the world has of the Christ who lives in you? Is it the Christ of joy? Is it the Christ of fullness? Are you allowing the evil one to steal your joy? What view is the world having of the Christ who lives in you? Paul says that is the great mystery that is made known, that God has chosen to come and make himself known in Christ and that Christ lives in us. That means that wherever we go, Christ goes with us. We are never forsaken. We're never abandoned. He is right here. That means he is right here with us. Or if we haven't yet to accept the Christ, he is right here knocking on the door, ready to welcome himself into your life. That you don't have to live with more anger and frustration. You don't have to live with any more bitterness or resentment. That Christ is here. He's willing to come and to heal You don't have to live with addiction anymore. Christ is here to come and overcome and deliver you from that. He is right here. He's standing at your door and he's knocking and you're hearing his voice. Let him in. And ease the numbness to bring you back to life. Even for those who have said yes to Jesus, allowing for him to have more of our lives. One summer, I worked as a chaplain in a hospital. It was a, a, memorable, a memorable summer. A lot of crazy things happened. But one of the things that, as a chaplain, was I'd never seen a dead body before. Just there. nothing to do. There was no spirit. The eyes would be open, but there was nothing in the body. There was no life in the body. I couldn't have a conversation with the body. I couldn't, when I, when I touched her hands, they couldn't say, ooh, that hurt. There was nothing in the body. The body was just there. It was just flesh. I think what, what Paul says, he says, that while we were dead in our trespasses, that when we were dead in our trespasses, and some of us, some of you listening and watching, you're dead. You may be going through life, but just dead. And there's no life in you. And I could speak to the dead body. I could say, come back to life. I could give them all these laws. I could tell them all these things to do. But they, that, this body would never respond. The only way to bring a dead body back to life is to put a new life and a new heart in it. And when everyone thought that the world had ended, the stone had covered the tomb, three days later, Jesus is alive. 
I know this is a hard time. I know it's crazy time. But it's God's time. It's God's time for each one of us to welcome Jesus into our life. Please join me in prayer. Oh God, we just ask right now that we're here in person or we're watching or we're listening. We want to know that mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, we need hope. And we want a hope of your presence. But the mystery is Christ living in us, of Christ coming and dwelling in our life. And Lord, maybe we are dead. We're so caught up in our trespasses that, God, we can't even move towards you. We don't know what that's like, but thank you that you come to us. And all we have to say is, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for everything that I've done. And come in and have your way. Come and dwell in my life. Be my spirit, be my heart, be my mind, be my life. Oh, Lord, revive us. Revive the churches around this land, in this world. We're doing church in a different way. In person, online, some in this country are not even meeting. But God, you are alive. Revive the church. And may it begin by reviving each one of us. And not just knowing that Jesus is the Savior of the world, but knowing that he saved me. That he can rescue me right now from darkness and evil. That he can deliver us. That right now, as temptation is knocking on our door, that we will close that door. Jesus will close that door right now and say, no, has no longer has any power or authority in your life. I do. God, I don't understand, but I will embrace it. That you want to reveal yourself through me and through us. This world needs Jesus. The city needs Jesus. Our neighborhoods need Jesus. Our schools need Jesus. But they want to see the hope of glory in us. Not worry or fret, frustration or anger, but through our words and through our joy and through our praise to see Jesus. May this world this week, beginning right now, in me and in us, may our children begin to see, may that generation begin to see men and women in love with Jesus. Living in us. And that is my prayer. And that is our prayer. Oh, come. Revive us, Jesus. We love you. And as we stand now and sing this beautiful, beautiful hymn about God's blessing, may it fill this room here right now.